0: welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood and almost never talked about. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the UK, and with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Alex Gonzalez, Global Director of Sales and Operations for Sonicare Medical based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Sonicare is a leading developer of high-intensity focused ultrasound, HIFU, technology that's used in the management of prostate cancer. Alex and Sonicare have been closely involved with several clinical trials that have demonstrated the effectiveness of HIFU in treating men with early-stage prostate cancer. And we're going to discuss how this technology developed, where it's going, and what this means for patients. Alex, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Happy to be joining you today. Thank you.
0: Let's get right in. This is a very exciting area, and I think this is the first conversation I'm having with a technologist and to really put some meat on the the framework of what is HIFU and what does this mean for patients? Um, I think a lot of patients have a lot of questions about this, and you are probably just the person to address them. So so thanks once again for joining me. I'm going to start off our conversation, if I may, by just picking up on the point that Sonicare was one of the earliest adopters of HIFU technology, I believe. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. We were one of the original, really, uh, commercializers of, of the technology.
0: Yeah, commercialization. That's probably sure, a better way of Sure, So can you tell us how and where HIFU technology developed and, and then how Sonicare was established around that?
1: It's a wonderful sequence uh, of events, and people think that the concept of ultrasound with focalization with image guidance is something new. But in all reality, this started back in as far back as even 1972 with uh, hmm. Professor Frank Fry and Professor Narin Sangvi in Indianapolis, Indiana, who had taken this concept of using ultrasound imaging, ultrasound guidance, focusing in ultrasound to treat glioblastomas, uh, cancer in the brain. That, uh, of course, developed and and later uh, spun out of Indiana University in the early 90s with the concept of, why don't we image? Why don't we focus this beam of ultrasound energy? And why don't we treat only a very discrete, precise amount of tissue? Very similar to how you would focus in the sun's energy with a magnifying glass, they found a way to do that with ultrasound. So now we're able to see the target that we want to see with ultrasound, something non-invasive, something not harmful, and we're able to treat using that same energy source, just hyper-focused over an area of pinpoint energy.
0: Well, that's so, a really interesting way of describing it, because I think most people you know, are familiar with ultrasound um, from a purely imaging perspective. And you know, certainly every woman who has a child will have experienced ultrasound in utero, as you well know. So it's a pr- pretty familiar technology for imaging, but I don't think anybody normally imagines that you can focus it, and I'm using your word in the way that you've just described to actually effectively kill bad cells. Is that what you're actually saying?
1: To very discreetly destroy tissue while simultaneously mm-hmm. imaging the tissue. And it's interesting, you mentioned uh, women's cancer, you allude to breast cancer. What HIFU did is it brought us up to par as to where women's cancer had been. Women's cancer, the concept of let's find the disease by investigating it. Mm -hmm. Let's image it. Let's include imaging in the diagnostics.
0: So are you referring specifically to mammography here?
1: Mammography. Later on, mammography and incorporation of uh, MRI and, and CT. But the Uh big concept in general of being able to use image guidance, let's use that to also target the biopsy. And then let's use that to have a non-toxic, minimally invasive quality of life sparing technology. For us, that was HIFU. That initial group that founded what was U.S. HIFU 15 years ago, which is what led us to partnering up with Professor Narin Sangvi, remember that pioneer from the, uh-huh. from the early 70s that was trying to find a way to use this to treat brain cancer. We partnered up with his spin out that came out of Indiana University in the early 90s called Focus Surgery and U.S. Haifu was born. U.S. Haifu now being Sonicare Medical. We've, we've rebranded along the, uh, along the way as we've entered many, many uh, markets and uh, received approval to use this technology uh, commercially in uh, in over 30 countries since.
0: Okay. Then. All right. So, and is it true that Sonicare, as you now are, um, uses HIFU exclusively for prostate cancer?
1: We use it exclusively for prostate tissue. Ablation is our formal approval by the FDA here in the United States. In other countries, we have approval for uh, specific disease states. In some countries, it's even used for the benign prosthetic hyperplasia, that benign overgrowth of the prostate that leads a man to get up and have to urinate quite frequently and with significant urgency. So Mm -hmm. our approvals will vary depending on the market.
0: But in the UK and the rest of Europe, it's for treatment of cancer.
1: In the UK, uh, specifically, it's used exclusively for the treatment of prostate cancer. Yes.
0: yes. Okay. So that the regulatory environment has a, a big call on, on how HIFU is actually being used. And I guess that's beyond the not just prostate, but in the other, the other areas. Because it's, it's it, true to it, say it, that you're using HIFU for, for other organs or other tissue masses, not just the prostate.
1: There are other companies that use HIFU to treat everything from uterine fibroids mm-hmm. to uh, liver tumors, uh, some experimenting even in pancreatic cancer, rectal mm-hmm. cancer. So yes, yes, the ability to focus that ultrasound beam over a precision, a pinpoint area is being explored in multiple tissue states, yes.
0: Oh, that's a really good way of describing it. So just to focus in on the, on the prostate cancer, um, but again, to, to look at HIFU in, amongst um, a range of, of focal therapies. How does HIFU perform in comparison with, with other forms of focal therapy? And here I'm referring specifically to prostate cancer.
1: When you look at any technology or any procedure, surgical or non-surgical procedure, you want to look at a couple things. Number one, does it control cancer? But number two, what does it do with respect to side effects? And how do those side effects affect the patient's quality of life, the patient's family's quality of life? because this is important. We're not just treating a disease state. We're treating a human being as a whole. You can treat a man with prostate cancer, with radiation, with open surgery, with laparoscopic surgery, with robotic surgery, with freezing therapy, and with high-intensity focused ultrasound, with HIFU. Mm -hmm. What HIFU really differentiates itself is that it allows for cancer control while preserving quality of life. Because we're able to incorporate precision guided biopsy into our planning, because we've got this millimetric precision and all this being done in a minimally invasive environment where there's no cutting, no open surgery, we're talking about a transrectal probe delivering this ultrasound energy, not only to help us visualize, but to also help us treat the tissue. Mm. So Mm. you're talking about a minimally invasive, minimally toxic form of energy you just uh, reminded everyone that the the same type of ultrasound is was to use to um, view babies in uh, in utero mm-hmm. to view a kidney to view a prostate before it's biopsied so we're taking this non-ionizing meaning no radiation involved form of energy we're able to focus it over a very pinpoint area of precision thus achieving the same level A very comparable level of cancer control, but while maintaining quality of life with the least amount of side effects. All prostate cancer treatments have a certain degree of uh, incontinence, the man's inability to control their urine flow. They all have a certain degree of sexual dysfunction associated with them. The veins, the arteries, the nerves run really close to the prostate, almost Mm -hmm. like. uh, like the veins uh, on, on, on an onion, on that mm-hmm. onion skin. Mm-hmm. So it has to be very discreet, very precise. And any form of energy or any teasing with a scalpel or any dosing with radiation makes those nerves very susceptible to damage. So although Haifu does have side effects associated with it, they are the same type of side effects as with the conventional quote-unquote gold standard therapies, you will find that it has less uh, degree, less percentage uh, of a chance of impotence and incontinence while still maintaining good cancer control.
0: Okay, um, and, and the, the product you use is called Sonablate. is that correct?
1: The product we use is called the Sonablate. We're okay, on the so third generation of the, uh, the Sonablate. That's a device that's uh, manufactured uh, here in the United States.
0: And so everything you've just said about proving its efficacy in terms of both cancer control and reduction of side effects, that's all come through over a series of clinical trials to to prove this, correct?
1: That's come through over a series of clinical trials as well as over 45,000 patients that have been treated with uh, transrectal uh, HIFU prostate tissue ablation in over 33 different countries and with currently well over uh, 80 uh, peer reviewed publications uh, showing its uh, safety and efficacy yes
0: well that's that's quite a mouthful i mean you've just said what 80 peer reviewed 33 countries so tell us a little bit about these trials because ultimately that's the evidence base that's going to you know convince any skeptics and invite anybody who's already you know ready to go
1: Sure. There have been a a variety of of trials, trials in which they try to randomize subjects into two groups, one that would get HIFU, one that would get surgery. There's been trials that are uh, single arm comparative, meaning you're comparing someone that has failed radiation therapy and is receiving HIFU as a secondary treatment, as a salvage treatment. Got trials to where Uh, You're performing HIFU as a whole gland treatment, meaning we're treating the entire thing. Regardless of where we found the disease, there have been trials where we're only treating the side that is affected. And further yet, there's trials to where they've treated only where the significant portion, the significant disease has been found. Uh-huh. So you've, you've gone the gamut of the trials in, uh, in, in the European community as well as the Asian community and here in the, in the United States. What we received clearance for here in the United States in October of 2015 was a prostate tissue ablation indication. I'd like to, to think of it or explain it as uh, it's, a, it's an acoustic knife. It is a tool that the physician can use um, for whatever tissue the physician uh, would like to use it um, for is my layman's interpretation
0: mm-hmm, of
1: that, mm-hmm. uh, that clearance.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, back to the trials, it, it's striking to me that the UK has been uh, a world leader in adopting and implementing HIFU for prostate cancer patients. Why do you think this is?
1: The United Kingdom has been at the tip of the spear and has pushed the envelope with respect to uh, men's health, specifically prostate cancer diagnosis and prostate cancer treatment for many, many years. You can look up uh, the history, the long, very positive history of uh, Professor Mark Emberton, Professors Caroline Moore, Professor Hash Ahmed, Richard Hinley, Tim Dutteridge. These individuals have not been afraid to push the envelope and explore how to better serve their uh, their patients in the UK. And because of the dedication of institutions like um, University College uh, Hospital and Imperial College and so many amazing institutions that you have access to in the United Kingdom, they've explored and compelled the use of uh, better imaging in order to better diagnose in order to more accurately treat. So, they have pioneered not only the way we treat, but they have changed the entire paradigm all together. Let and me it, ask you a
0: question, because when you said Haifu as a, as a technology modality, but it was introduced back in Indianapolis, you said, you know, that you're in, in the early 70s. That was before the advent of this precise imaging and particularly the, the new sequencing through multiparametrics. So, how did Haifu work then?
1: Back in the 70s, this is what led to this huge hurdle because as it was uh, being developed for glioblastoma, they literally had to remove parts of the patient's skull and the computer to drive the ultrasound imaging and to create the amount of of high-intensity focused ultrasound energy literally took up uh, an entire room. And there's a a picture of Professor Frank um, uh, Fry in this room with his, high, his first high food device, and the entire room is just filled with, with computers. We didn't have the computing power. We didn't have the imaging technology to be able to consistently target that. It, fast forward into the 90s with the development of technology, the progression of computing power, the incorporation of, uh, of CT and MRI in the early 90s, And the proximity of the prostate to a mucosal opening, the prostate as it sits right on the other side of the rectum, it was easy to get to. You Mm
0: -hmm. didn't need
1: to cut through any bone. There was no need to cut through any tissue. And transrectal ultrasound was already being used to visualize the prostate. Mm -hmm. So it almost uh, lent itself um, to the to the modality, it was
0: okay. That's period. interesting. So, period. so just because of what you said, the access and the fact that you already had this as a way of of seeing where the cancer was, it was it was ready made for this. But then the MRI has just given you that level of precision that has made this a far more powerful and effective treatment option. Correct.
1: In the correct, correct. In the past, they had to. They had to uh, put in that transrectal uh, ultrasound, introduce that into the rectum. They kind of blindly took six or 12 samples of the prostate. They might find cancer. They might not. On average, there was a a statistic uh, a few years back that indicated that a man would have to undergo that um, moderate level of discomfort, having six, 12, 24 needles Mm. punched through his rectum on at least two different occasions before they actually found any any cancer. Mm-hmm. That's the downside of a, of a randomized um, biopsy. Now, fast forward and picture where we are today. You can go in, you can have that canary in the coal mine. That's what I always tell people that uh, prostate-specific antigen or PSA is. It's not an mm-hmm. indicator of whether you have cancer. It's an indicator that your prostate is sick somehow and you need to do some investigation. So you Mm -hmm. have a simple five minute painless blood test, the PSA, Mm an area in the coal mine that says, let's investigate this further. Investigation further no longer means I've got to subject myself to this session and and introduction of multiple needles in through my rectum through the prostate um, and wait for those results to come back just so that they can give us some potentially nebulous news of, well, we didn't find anything. Let's check you out for another six months and then come back. Now we've got the ability to send someone for a basic MRI, this sequence that's going to give us these images of abnormal looking tissue, abnormal looking tissue that now have a strong correlation to the disease state of the prostate. Still not a 100% confirmation but we've got very strong indications that a good MRI read well can tell you what areas of high suspicion you should investigate further. Take that one step further with technology that we now have that can precisely guide the physician's needle into those areas. We can still do randomized um, biopsies on the prostate, but now we've actually got some targets. We can see in real time, put a needle right through that. And once we get confirmation on the patient's disease state, you can transfer that MRI data mm-hmm. into the Sonoblade HIFU platform yeah. and use it as a map. We, yeah. we, we call that our MRI image fusion yeah. technology. So now we have a map to the targets to be used on the Sonoblade HIFU device that can precisely lay a, a, a deposit of, of energy mm-hmm. into those targets. It, it's like something you'd see uh, if there's any uh, sci-fi fans in a, in a Star Trek episode, you kind of have this, this wand or this probe. You see the tissue uh, on the screen and you, you, you hit a couple clicks on the screen and then you don't. Correct.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, really, that's a really good way of putting it. So Alex, how do you see the future then for Sonoblade and, and haifu technology? Where do you think this is going? I
1: think what we're seeing is this revolution where patients every year become more and more aware. Patients every year take more responsibility for their care. They're doing a lot of research. And we all joke that, uh, you know, my wife says that I'm a a WebMD kind of person, right? I look and I think I've got every every symptom. Although there are some patients that do that, most of the patients that I've come in contact with, that's thousands and thousands over the past 15 years since uh, I helped found Sonicare, are very well-educated, very well-researched patients. They come in with binders full, information, and they just need help sorting it out. Haifu's not for everyone. There is a specific candidate. And Haifu's not here to necessarily replace, insert your other technology name. Mm-hmm. Here. But HIFU is here to be a complement to a physician's toolbox. You're looking at a future in which technology will play more and more of a role in diagnosis. Our ability to diagnose will come earlier mm-hmm. in that patient's disease state. We will be able to recommend less toxic, less invasive, more discreet treatments for these patients. And we'll end up with these patients that were diagnosed early, treated with minimal harm, and have allowed them to be productive, happy citizens for the rest of their lives. And guess what? In the event that the cancer returns, you can treat it again with another HIFU.
0: Well, that's uh, something I hope we can all look forward to. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I really look forward to hearing more from you and from Sonicare Medical about developments with HIFU. If you'd like to learn more about HIFU technology and Sonicare Medical, please visit www.sonacaremedical.com. For a transcript of this interview and to learn more about how technology is improving diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer, visit The Focal Therapy Clinic at www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk. Thanks for listening. And from me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.